Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and we're in the Full HQ studio today, pre-recording this show for Tuesday, June 19th. The summer solstice is almost here, meaning vacations and travel activity are already starting to pick up. So for this season, we're going to look at the latest news from two online travel companies, Booking Holdings, ticker BKNG, and TripAdvisor, ticker TRIP. So joining me today is Senior Motley Fool contributor Asit Sharma, who's calling into the Full HQ studio via Skype. Hey, Asit, thanks for hopping on with us. Hey, Vince. Hello, listeners. I hope everyone's summer is getting off to a fantastic start. I know mine is, uh, and I'm pretty pumped to talk about these uh, two companies. It's a really interesting space. But before we get into our main topic, uh, I know that you wanted to briefly cover Funco, ticker FNKO. So this is another company, actually, from the IPO class of 2017. But it's not one that we spoke about during our recent IPO update episode from a few weeks ago. So Funco is a small cap, currently trading with a market capitalization of about $550 million. Uh, The company priced its IPO last November at $12 per share. It's experienced some rocky trading since then. It's only recently recovered to about $10 per sh- or to above $10 per share in the past month or so. And the company makes pop culture inspired consumer products. So take some of your favorite movie or video game characters or musicians or athletes and Funko basically turns them into figurines, plush toys, apparel and other fun items. And as part of its business, the company has a lot of licensing agreements with different uh, intellectual properties, including all 15 of the highest grossing movie franchises in history. So last year, Funko generated $516 million of revenue, and that was 21% growth over the prior year. And its primary product category has historically been these kind of these figures, um, but it's starting to branch out into different product categories. So I'll stop there, Asit. And first, I will... Um, I wanted to ask you how Funko ended up on your radar because uh, it's just a smaller company, not one that that, uh, would necessarily come up in terms of some of the screens that we do and things like that. Curious how you heard of it. Sure, Vince. Um, I wanted to credit one of our dozens of loyal listeners (laughs) on this one. Um, This is Brandon Stokes, who's actually a friend of mine. He is um, a young investor and... uh, invest in very forward-looking companies. And we have coffee uh, every few months and sit down, talk about stocks. And he brought this to my attention. Uh, Brandon bought Funko after its IPO and sort of cued me in uh, onto this company. I realized much later that I did know about Funko because I have three teenage sons. Listeners, you probably have heard me talk about them from time to time. And I realized we had a couple of Star Wars bobbleheads around the house that emanate from this company. So that's how I found out about it, did some research. And I think it's very interesting as well, Vince. I really love the idea of intellectual property. We've talked um, in the past about so many franchise style companies. Marriott is one that we've discussed in terms of having strong intellectual property and then licensing that, letting other people do the hard work. So Funko is on the flip side of that model. It actively seeks out licenses from major companies, as, as you've named, Disney as one, for example, uh, and then creates whatever the, the ebb and flow of pop culture is, is alighting on at the moment. Um, I love this idea. Everyone is a fan of something. That is Funko's motto, and it really speaks to the idea of this stream of fun things that people alight on and can be monetized. 
So the company is also a manufacturer. Once it gets a license, it goes out and uses manufacturers in Vietnam and China, for example, to manufacture these goods at a low cost. It has gross margins of about 30%, which we'll get to in just a moment. I think those can improve some. Um, but just to give you a little bit more information about the company, they have over 1,000 licensed what they call properties. So anytime uh, the company goes out and figures, uh, let's take Han Solo, for example, let's license Han Solo's likeness into a bobblehead or a vinyl figurine. That's called a property. So they have about a thousand of these licensed properties and they can go from the idea stage to a pre-order in about 70 hours. Uh, and this is an example of how quickly tastes in pop culture move. So this is just a more, uh, few more facts about uh, Funko. And I think that it's, again, with this IPO class of 2017 we've talked about, another one to put on your radar screen and watch over the next few quarters. Yeah, the only thing I'll add, uh, we got to move on quickly here, is um, with that time to market that you just mentioned, you know, the fact that they have to uh, capitalize on opportunities like a new movie release, a new video game release, for example, um, they kind of compare in, uh, I saw in their 10K, uh, the way they do this, bring products to market quickly, uh, they compare it to fast fashion apparel companies. And they talk about how they can go from the design stage to store shelves between about 100 and two, 110 and 200 days traditionally, sometimes in as few as 70 days. And they give a specific example um, with the release of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie in 2014. Uh, the company said they were pre-selling a figurine for Baby Groot within a week of the film's release. So they move very quickly uh, when the consumer interest in these properties, as you described, is at its peak. And um, the the other thing I would like to add, just in terms of kind of the high level, um, the high level opportunity in terms of pop culture and accessories and how much consumers might want them in the company's IPO filing, uh, they present a pretty interesting case in turn for the growing influence of pop culture, thanks to there being more movies, uh, more TV shows, more video games, and then the increasing quality of that content, and then the ability for fans to connect and engage with that content through, for example, social media and other forums. And so they really make a, a solid case for that. And GameStop actually gets brought up because uh, its traditional retail business is sort of falling apart at this point, since most video games can simply be downloaded without any sort of actual disc or cartridge now. And the company's placing a lot of hope in its collectibles segment, which is pretty comparable to what Funko does. And that collectible segment for GameStop has more than doubled in the past two years. Our revenue was up almost 30% in 2017 to $635 million. And it was up another 25% in the most recently reported quarter. And if you read GameStop's earnings call discussion of that segment, they mentioned several times the importance of being quick to market with their collectibles. Um, and obviously, again, that speaks to Funko's abilities there. So I'm going to stop us there just because we have these uh, this whole other space to talk about. Um, our main event then is the online travel agency. So the main thing uh, I always like to remind people of when getting into this topic is the scale. Because uh, online travel sales make up a huge industry that's been growing double digits for years now. It should still average about 9% annual growth through 2020, at which point spending will hit almost $800 billion. Right now, though, the online spending still makes up less than half of global travel spending in total. So we're talking about the ballpark, about $1.6 trillion, massive sum. And the two companies we're discussing today, uh, again, TripAdvisor and Booking Holdings, they represent 
what I would consider kind of different ends of the spectrum. So first, we'll talk TripAdvisor. Um, I'm sure many of you listening have referred to TripAdvisor reviews and guides in the past when you've done your vacation planning. Uh, the company has uh, over 430 million average monthly unique visitors, and though it previously relied on paid clicks from those users to book lodgings uh, and uh, and other uh, accommodations, the company has spent about two years now trying to become a destination itself for booking hotels and 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 uh, and other accommodations. So the results of those efforts have been somewhat mixed. Uh, if you look back five years, the stock has really languished. Um, it's trading at about half its all-time highs. But more recently, though, investors have been flocking to the company for 2018 year-to-date. TripAdvisor shares are actually up almost 70%. So I said, what's the latest for TripAdvisor and why the bullishness recently? Vince, the bullishness is ironically not due to any wild uh, revenue growth that the company has on the court in, in the future, sorry, but it's due to improving margins, the basic blocking and tackling of strong companies that have these built-in recurring revenue streams. Uh, TripAdvisor sprung to life this year up 67% to date because investors like what they're seeing in its earnings. And what really caught my eye is the way the company is controlling its marketing spend. Now, previously, uh, TripAdvisor has been a big spender in the online marketplace, but in recent quarters, it started to shift a little bit. Um, it's advertising on TV, interestingly enough. I think the company spent about $24 million on TV advertising in the last quarter, which is unusual. Um, as a result, it's using that marketing budget much more effectively. If you look at selling and marketing spend in the first quarter of this year, uh, the company spent $198 million and that's 52.4% of total sales of $378 million. Go back to last year this time, uh, TripAdvisor uh, had a spend which was about 55.6% of its $372 million in sales. So that's about a 4 um, percentage point or 400 basis point reduction right there. And that is something when you've got, again, a revenue stream which is highly predictable, if you can't grow that revenue stream in leaps and bounds, any ability to show uh, efficiency in the margin will attract investors' attention. And I think there was some pent-up demand for the stock, too, given that it had languished while other companies, other online travel agencies like Booking Holdings, which we'll talk about later, uh, had, had continued to climb. So there may be a perception that uh, on investors' part, it's time to pour into the stock. Okay, so uh, some of the major themes... Uh, for this company that that jumped out to me at least have been one its transition uh, from just a place for reviews to an actual portal for people to book their travel and then two there it's clear that management is really trying to figure out how they're going to further monetize this massive user base that they have all this traffic that they get um, especially uh, so as users migrate to mobile platforms which presents some challenges for them that we'll talk about and then three they have to manage some of the competition that they're getting from bigger peers like Booking Holdings, but also uh, big tech names like Alphabet as well. Um, this is still a very fragmented space and uh, definitely presents some unique competitive challenges in that way. Uh, on the mobile front, I'll just speak to the fact that uh, management has mentioned uh, how the higher mobile traffic that it's seeing um, 
it has a multi-prong effect on the business. So on one hand, the advertising revenue goes down because the company wants to keep their mobile experience relatively clean, easy to use. That means less ads on the mobile site. And on the other hand, conversion rates are weaker on mobile in general, which means partners end up paying less per click they receive from users through TripAdvisor's portal. So that's uh, that's one way how the the transition to mobile is challenging the business, but management is really focused on the fact that th- there's nothing they can do about traffic moving to to the mobile platform and trying to optimize uh, that traffic and make the keep the user experience as positive as possible and uh, develop the revenue opportunities there is definitely a priority for them. And then uh, something else that uh, I know that you wanted to speak to is the importance of kind of a new category for them or a growing category, and that's with experiences. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. So the company breaks its revenue up into two segments. Basically, it's hotels, non-hotel services. Mm-hmm. The non-hotel services are comprised of three components, experiences, restaurants, and rentals. Uh, those of you who've been following TripAdvisor for a long time may remember when it first got into this idea of selling experiences that is a complete package versus just a place to stay on your vacation. And it was able to do so because it has this massive base of content and loyal base of users. Um, I was interested to see that this non-hotel segment grew 36% in the most recent quarter. So this is where the company uh, is experiencing revenue opportunity, even though when you look overall, uh, the total revenue is still sort of flatlined. And I think that this is also a um, consequence of that revenue um, per user that you talked about, Vince. They call it revenue per hotel shopper is decreasing as time goes on because they're getting less conversion. They're getting less out of their marketing efforts. Um, that revenue decreased 11% to $0.42 uh, per visitor in the last quarter. So MetaSearch, which is the tool they've used for a long time, just searching uh, you know, for a hotel and TripAdvisor site comes on, that's getting weaker. However, the content they've built over uh, a number of years is stronger and strong enough to the point that it's an attractor for business. Um, I wanted to mention something that's related to all of this. And this goes back to, Vince, what you're talking about in terms of mobile and advertising revenue. Because TripAdvisor is such a great content site, it has really... Uh, come up in the consciousness of hoteliers and restaurateurs as a place where they should be placing ads. The reason being that if you're looking for this total experience on their site, promotional placement becomes very important. Maybe as a restaurant, uh, you're not top of the mind when Vince is planning his vacation, but if you've got placement on uh, TripAdvisor's site, that will uh, cause you to have a higher placement in that consumer's mind. And surprisingly or not surprisingly, that advertising revenue is starting to increase. And part of this is just hoteliers, restaurateurs trying to get on TripAdvisor's site. Um, I think advertising and subscription revenue, that rose $6 million in the quarter, most recent quarter, which provided an offset to that hotel segment revenue, which had declined um, by about $22 million. So talking about this hotel-only segment now. So you can see the force of the content that the company's built, it helps absorb some of the traditional revenue that's in decline. Yep. Uh, I, I'll just say that with that non-hotel segment, you know, it's definitely 
uh, a bright spot that management has pointed to that investors are watching. Um, in 2015, non-hotel made up, uh, I think, just 15% of the top line. Last year, it was 23%. So, it's a pretty rapid uh, a rapid growth there. And I can see why, just personally, in my experience, why TripAdvisor is positioned especially well for this opportunity, um, based on how I think a lot of people use the site, myself included, with the fact that you know you think about uh, most travelers, they have their airfare and lodging usually booked uh, pretty far in advance, you know, weeks if not months. But uh, I think a lot of people plan their day-to-day itinerary, maybe the day of, maybe the night before. So as they go to TripAdvisor, because it has millions upon millions of reviews, um, I think over a million different locations and attractions with reviews. Um, as people go to TripAdvisor to look at things to do, the company's in a very great position to not only offer those reviews, but then to potentially sell things like tickets, tours, and other experiences on the spot. So, at a JP Morgan conference last month, uh, CEO Steve Kaufer he said he thinks attractions will eventually be a multi-billion-dollar revenue stream for the company. So very important. They're very focused on that. Um, but let's move on now to the other end of the spectrum that I mentioned. So now we'll talk a little bit about Booking Holdings. So formerly known as Priceline, this is a huge company, over 100 billion dollars in market cap. And even though TripAdvisor is less than a tenth that size, and it's been dinged for really failing to deliver the growth that investors want for the past several years. Booking is booking holdings is on an absolute tear with about 20% growth on the top and bottom lines last quarter. Uh, the thing that always shocks me about this company is the breadth of its full portfolio because um, if you've heard of booking.com uh, or Priceline or Kayak or rentalcars.com or even OpenTable, guess what? Those are all under the same booking holdings umbrella. Really impressive. Um, with that kind of reach, and that kind of consistent growth, the stock has been very, very kind to shareholders. Uh, the company's uh, quite a favorite here at Full HQ. Uh, what do you think is the secret sauce here, Asset, in terms of you know the the strength of this business? What I love about Booking.com is it has an extremely simple strategy, and that is to uh, take the market by brute force. Now the company only has a very small portion the total market share for travel as big as it is. Among online travel agencies, it's quite huge. But as Vince had mentioned, uh, Booking.com has grown by being a serial acquirer. Just to give you a couple other names besides the ones you called out, um, I'll list Agoda, um, OpenTable, I think you listed that, and Momondo.com, which I've used before to isolate uh, flights that didn't show up on other engines, which were actually owned by Booking.com. So, this strategy of tacking on is really a brute force mechanism to increase inventory. So that if you look at some statistics from the very last quarter that's been recorded, Booking.com had approximately 1,740,000 properties on its website as of March 31st of 2018. That comprised 415,000 hotels, motels and resorts, and approximately 1,325,000 homes, apartments, and they call them these other unique places to stay. And I hope we have time to talk about the alternative lodging market in just a moment mm-hmm. here. But the company hasn't grown this way through organic growth by having its sales force go out and acquire more and more hotels for its listing on its original site, Priceline.com, as you point out, Vince. Um, and this, using capital from its pretty high margins to keep buying up more what it's essentially hotel inventory is the way that it's grown. It's a different strategy than TripAdvisor, which is smaller, 
more specialized, relies on content to drive its growth. This is very easy to understand economic engine. And if you doubted that engine several years ago, you would have missed out on a lot of return. It doesn't have uh, quite the allure of a really, really highly technical uh, company. Uh, basically, functions very similar to the way it did when it first originated. However, that's led to, let's look at this quarter again, most recent quarter, um, gross bookings were up 25% to 25 billion. Now that's not the company's net. The company's net sales out of that were $2.9 billion. But you can imagine what it takes to achieve $25 billion worth of gross bookings. That's a lot of hotel rooms. And that's what I love about this stock. It's really easy to understand how it makes its money. And it's a very consistent earner in that respect. Yep. I, I will add that uh, what you mentioned in terms of you know booking is the industry gorilla. But at the same time, its slice of the pie is relatively small. Um, the total bookings that I could find for 2017, $80 billion. Uh, the sh- total um, you know, digital travel spending for last year, I think, was nearly $600 billion. So, again, a really, really small piece of that pie. And I think a lot, quite a runway for the company uh, going forward. Um, in terms of outlook, uh, I think macro factors uh, are really going to influence this business uh, more so than maybe specific competitors because you know as the overall travel industry grows, I think booking is in a really strong position to continue expanding its share of the pie, even though management has acknowledged quite a few times now that going forward the company's growth will decelerate just due to the scale it being the number one player in this space. Um, so I'm curious, Asit, between uh, booking holdings and TripAdvisor, and then are you sold? On either uh, on one or the other, both companies on the space in general. What do you think? Wow, it's an interesting question. Uh, my father, who's an investor, had told me about Priceline.com years ago, and he has off and on been a shareholder of this company. Unfortunately, as as many of us do, uh, got out on some small dips, but has learned to to hold this company. And so I've watched it over my shoulder. And I'm sort of sold on its growth. I think outside of 2017, it's had several good years in the market. And these are steady returns of 20% plus years of of stock price appreciation. I do like the macroeconomic factors, which favor Booking.com. As long as global GDP continues to grow moderately, uh, 3% to 4%, that's a positive environment for this company. And I also like uh, the way that it's muscling into the alternative lodging market. It just announced recently that it surpassed Airbnb in terms of uh, private rooms available. At the point it announced, it said it had 5 million. I think on the most recent conference call, the CEO said they have 5.2 million versus 4.85 million properties for Airbnb. So it's also expanding into uh, new markets. TripAdvisor, they have a really, really strong asset. Again, if you want to talk about intellectual property with Funko, uh, TripAdvisor site is its intellectual property. So it still has um, enormous potential itself. But the proof is in the pudding. If you had to, if you had to choose, and I think you posed this question to me this way, Vince, if you had to choose one of these companies and only one to invest in, it would probably be Booking.com, although it's a few magnitudes larger than TripAdvisor. What do you think? What, what what is your differentiation between the two? Yeah, for me, I'm with uh, I'm on the same boat as you. The big selling point is 
you know, you have the relatively fragmented travel industry overall. Uh, I think in those situations, scale can be a particularly powerful advantage. And with booking at this point, uh, booking holdings generating over three billion dollars of free cash flow each year, um, that it can deploy for more acquisitions. Um, you know, adding more brands and platforms to its portfolio. Uh, it can invest in new categories like these uh, kind of unique. Uh, private listings to compete with the likes of Airbnb. I'm actually really sold after this latest look at the company, and I plan to pick up shares as soon as our trading rules here allow. Um, so between those two, uh, leaning towards booking for sure. Uh, but overall, this is definitely a space that I haven't not had exposure to previously in my portfolio, and I'm looking more and more at it every single time uh, we talk about it uh, now. And over the past year or so. Um, so, with that in mind, any final thoughts from you, Asit, before uh, we wrap up? Yeah, if you buy into Booking.com, keep in mind what Vince said, that the company has said eventually it's going to have a little bit of deceleration. I think they're forecasting book room nights to grow by about um, 7 to 11% uh, this next quarter. Uh, it's a little bit more moderate pace than the past. So, you'll have maybe some sequential dips here and there in performance, which could be reflected in the stock price, those could be good entry points, nothing to panic over. Uh, year in, year out, this company has a talent for returning a pretty uh, nice appreciation for its shareholders. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Fools, thanks for listening. Remember that people in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Fool on. Mm-hmm.